Welcome back. It is volume three of the NFC East mixtape. I am RJ Ochoa. He is Brandon Lee Gotten, a.k.a. BLG. You're listening to us on the blog and the boys and Bleeding Green Nation podcast networks, the greatest crossover in the history of all things. BLG, what up? RJ, I'm really excited for this episode. This is like the most juice filled episode we've had. Yeah, I know we had Ed on last week and that was very exciting, but you know, the draft is here and done and now we have so many things to get into. So we are going to recap uh, what every NFC East team did in the 2021 NFL draft. And this is a bit of a, an unusual request given uh, the uniqueness of the show. Uh, but wherever you're listening, whether it's the Block and the Boys podcast network, the Bleeding Green Nation podcast network, make sure you are subscribed on your preferred podcast platform. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things help us out, but make sure you do BTB first. Well, on that note, though, I think it's a good opportunity for Cowboys fans who probably haven't already left a review. You know what I mean? So I'm assuming I just this just popped in my head, RJ. You have Cowboys fans who have already left ratings and reviews on right. you know Apple Podcasts for BTN. And same thing with BGN, Eagles fans for BGN. So go on the other podcast feed and leave a review if you like the NFC mixtape as well. So you can do that, too. That's a great way to put it. Um, also, this is a rare thing. BLG and I are talking for the second time today. We're recording on May the 4th, uh, maybe with you, BLG. Uh, but um, we recorded a special crossover edition on the SB Nation NFL show. We recapped the entire NFL uh, with our buddy Stats. And so um, we took a break. Obviously, we had some work to do. So what did you have for lunch? I had some empanadas, actually, that were okay. really good. Well, what, yeah. what kind? So there's a place here. I give them a nice shout out uh, called El Secreto in Philly where it's like they're not even like a, a full business you know like they don't have like a place it's just like a couple i think they're making it they're doing it through instagram and uh it's really good so they actually had a buffalo chicken one and a philly cheesesteak one and then there's a uh, strawberry cheesecake one as well all very very good i actually uh i'm glad you brought up philly cheesesteaks and this ties into the 2020 nfl draft so uh we'll talk about the cowboys in a moment um you know what? let's let's flip the script let's talk about the eagles first <laughs> Devonte smith obviously headlines the class landon dickerson milton williams zach mcpherson blg it's actually zach it looks like zach but it is zach. right zach kenneth gainwell the running back out of memphis now everybody in the nfc east has a memphis running back except for the new york giants uh marlon Tuipiloto. Taron Jackson, Jacoby Stevens, and Patrick Johnson. I want to talk about Devontae Smith, A, because the Cowboys made it possible for the Eagles, but B, because speaking of the SB Nation NFL show, during the week of the Super Bowl, I interviewed him for our feed over there. And because I'm a good friend and a good coworker, ultimately, I basically begged him to give me an answer about the Eagles because at the time, the Eagles held the sixth overall pick, which I think it was a great pick because I think the Eagles got their guy ultimately, you know, six more picks later. Um, but um, I begged him to give me anything on the Eagles because I thought if I get something great, BLG is going to take it and run with it. Lo and behold, he gave me nothing. I even asked about Philly cheesesteaks. He said he had like no desire for Philly cheesesteak. Then I see him tweeting after he gets drafted by the Eagles asking for advice on a Philly cheesesteak. What a fraud in my mind. I cannot be happier, RJ, that Devontae Smith is on the Eagles. He was the guy I wanted, as you know. He was the pick. I, I said it last week when we were doing the NFC mixtape and we talked about best case, worst case scenario. And for me, best case was Devontae Smith. Although I, I believe you and Ed also said it was the best case for the Eagles to get Devontae Smith. Interesting. I think you guys are going to regret that. Devontae has made a career on proving people wrong at every turn. So feel free to keep doubting him because this guy's going to be awesome. I do think it was... Um it's a he's not you know this flashy dude um maybe the most low profile eagles wide receiver 
of the century. I, I mean, I don't know. You, uh, certainly of like legitimate caliber, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm not talking like your fifth dude on the depth chart. Um, I, I love his super quiet personality. I think it was a great idea, you know, for Philly to get him. I think a really great idea to see if he can elevate Jalen Hurts to determine whether he is the guy moving forward. Um, overall, I do unfortunately think the Eagles had a great draft. We're going to assign grades. Um, you can take them as letter grades or numerical grades if you want. We have prepared both because uh, we're extremely versatile. Like Micah Parsons, no big deal. Uh, I, BLG, gave the Eagles draft class a grade of 90, the highest grade I assigned in the NFC East. Yeah, you were higher on them than I was, which is uh, interesting. Uh, I think because they didn't mess it up like and, and they got the guy like like I, I joked about but they got the guy that you wanted at six at 12 I mean by picking up future draft capital and I mean yes they had to give up a third round pick to the Cowboys to move up from 12 to 10 I would give that up no matter what to go get my guy but beyond that the Eagles ensured that they would have Devontae Smith and that the Giants would not because if they had not done that trade maybe the Cowboys take Micah Parsons or whatever at 10 but they're not taking Devontae and I don't know if maybe the temptation of the trade that New York got that we'll get into, you know, would have swayed them out of taking Devontae. But either way, Philadelphia made sure that they got him. And that was really smart. Would you rather have Jalen Waddle or would you rather have Devontae Smith and a 2022 first round pick? Um, probably Devontae Smith and a 2022 first round pick. Yeah. But but the Dolphins were bored of first round picks, dude. Like that's the thing. Like they don't they don't need first round picks anymore. And that that is an interesting way to look at it though, and that I, I but I, I kind of agree with myself in that Miami wanted their guy, right? And they ensured that they got their guy. Um, and so this is just Philadelphia's guy. And you've been saying for a long time that and I agree with this as well, which sucks, that he is kind of in the Justin Jefferson mold of like people overthink the draft and people forget like why this, this dude won the Heisman. Like it's so hard to win the Heisman as a wide receiver. And he did it. He's the first non-quarterback to win the Heisman since who? Well, I can't remember non-quarterback, but I think Desmond Howard was the last receiver to do it. And that was like 25 years ago or something. It was a right. long time ago, over 20 years ago. And everything you read about Devonte Smith in terms of like, like anonymous scouts. And it's just like, there's people, uh, RJ that Albert Breer talked to around like the Alabama program that feel like Devonte Smith is literally like the best player they've ever been around. And that's crazy coming from Alabama. Like I get, you know, a university is going to hype up their own guys, but that's like beyond like, Oh, we really love this guy. That's like effusive praise. Also uh, Albert Breer cited a bunch of sec defenders um, or you cited a GM who talked to a bunch of SEC defenders over the course of the draft process. And they asked all of them, like, who was the toughest guy to cover? And everyone said Devontae Smith. Jacoby mm -hmm. Stevens, who the Eagles drafted in the sixth round, um, also said the same thing. It was Devontae Smith. Uh, so, I mean, this guy is a baller. The Eagles haven't been able to get receiver right ever, RJ, pretty much, in terms of at least drafting and developing guys. This was like their best chance to do it. And that's why it's such a big deal. They got this guy because they weren't ever going to like pass on a receiver in the first round and then figure it out somehow later. That wasn't going to happen. Like this was the only way it was going to happen. If it was going to happen. And that's why it's so exciting. Well, um, so looking this up, by the way, uh, you're right. Desmond Howard was the last wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy. But this century, which was the the time frame I stipulated, the only non-quarterback Heisman Trophy winners. In 2005, Reggie Bush, obviously. 2009, Mark Ingram. And in 2015, Derrick Henry. So you're talking about your non-quarterback Heisman Trophy winners, generally pretty baller type players in the NFL. Mark Ingram, I guess, aside, although if if Devontae Smith had Mark Ingram's career at wide receiver, I don't think he would be disappointed ultimately.
running backs a little different too, you know, going from college to the NFL. It's just, it's not, it's not the same, you know, you could be more impactful in college than it is in the NFL. Um, Looking at the rest of the draft real quick though. I just, the reason why I didn't give it as high as a grade as you, although maybe I should be including, you know, the trade more into it. Cause I know you did do that here for the giants in in the rundown. You specifically, you know, noted how they picked up the Chicago's first rounder. Um, You know, you would have to include the dolphins first rounder by the same standard. Um, But the Landon Dickerson pick is why I kind of knock it down a little bit because like, I like his upside in theory. I get it if he works out, but like, how are we just assuming that's going to happen? This is a guy with two ACL tears with two season uh, ending ankle injuries in two different years. Like how can we, and they're, they're coming, he's coming to the Eagles, by the way, who have like injury issues every year. So like, I'm just assuming like he's going to be fine. Like, no, I, I get the pick in terms of like Jason Kelsey could be moving on as soon as next year. And they need to start thinking about that spot. But I also think like, what is the upside of this pick in terms of value? Like for, for this pick to have to be successful, Landon Dickerson can't just be like a good center. He has to be like a top three center in the NFL for this pick to be like appropriately valued. Yeah. But this is look, that's, that's fair. And it's a second round pick. And so, I mean, you expect it to, to, perform unless you're the Cowboys obviously with the way they treat theirs but I I think I don't I really don't get the vitro like I I saw a lot of Eagles fans really 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 upset and I feel like I think this happens too like the Devontae Smith pick is such a home run that then the expectation becomes like this is going to be the feeling that we have after every pick like give it time like give it time and center is a need for the Eagles like you know very quickly it will be a need I mean so again I really what's your what's your least favorite pick is it, it it can't be that it really cannot be that I, I think it is it. just, I think it is just based on the the downside. I think there's really cons- like, it just seems to me like the downside almost outweighs the upside, at least in terms of likelihood too. Again, like, I just want to stress that like, if he's just a good starting center, then that's not a great pick. Like it's not a disaster of a pick, but it's probably just like, it could be like a C minus of a pick. It's just the return on value. I don't know that it's, it's, it's great as the Eagles think it is. And uh, yeah, that's why. But would you have rather had them? Um, so there are other options on the board. Um, you know, JOK was still there. Sure. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Sante Samuel Jr. was still there. Sure. Um, there's a lot of different options they could have gone. I I was actually doing a locker room with uh, Seamus Clancy, who's on the, the Weeding Your Nation podcast feed, before the, the the Landon Dickerson pick. And I was like, there's so many good options on the board here. I'm like, I just, I think they can't go Landon Dickerson just because of the injury thing. So I think there's a kind of a bunch of different ways that could have gone where I really, I wasn't even like clamoring for one person. I just didn't think they could do it with him mm. just because of the risk, but they did. So we'll see. Uh, you're overall great for the Eagles draft. Yeah. So I gave them an 84. I've been hovering between that B minus B range. I think the most important thing about the Eagles draft is they didn't galaxy brain it this year. They didn't overthink it. They kind of just went chalk. A lot of the picks were pretty in line with consensus rating, which is, I think good. Like they, cause they've gotten away from that too much, especially last year. Like they didn't overthink it. They added a bunch of players. I, I think Eagles fans are kind of griping that they didn't add enough help at linebacker. They didn't add a cornerback uh, other than, you know, Zach McPherson. And that was on day three and I get it, but like the Eagles were never going to fix their whole roster, which is flawed in one draft. So mm-hmm. in general, I don't think this is like a home run draft, but I think it's definitely above average. So that's where I come down on the beat. 
All right, a composite score of 174 overall, a very high bar set uh, for the Eagles here on the NFC East mixtape. Um, I suppose now is the time to talk about the Cowboys. I know you're very excited about this BLG. Uh, quickly, uh, 11 picks the Cowboys made. They entered with 10, but obviously picked up the 11th uh, from Philly. I really am surprised that they didn't trade up a single time that they actually picked 11 players. Uh, but still, Micah Parsons, Kelvin Joseph, three third-round picks, Osa Adigizua, Chauncey Golston, Nashawn Wright, Jabril Cox, and Josh Ball, both in the fourth round. Simi Fahoko, the physical freak out of Stanford in the fifth. Quinton Bohana, and Israel Mukuwamu in the sixth and Matt Farniak, a guard at Nebraska in the seventh round. Um, I'll go ahead and let you go first, BLG, because I'm that nice. Some good names in here, by the way. Just like really, really love some of these. Just like on we were we were live uh on our YouTube channel throughout it all. Lots of, you know, lots of internal stress, like trying to pronounce these correctly, like while you're on live and you got to get it right on your first shot. So uh thanks for attacking my deepest insecurity. Uh, none more favorite than Nashawn Wright, which I'm going to be saying, nah, son, wrong, because this Cowboys draft class isn't very good. I gave them a like just a, a C plus. I give them a 77. And uh, there's just a lot of things I don't like here in terms of those reaches that you kind of talked about. You outlined on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, and then I think Parsons, just the positional value isn't there. I mean, you yourself, I know you said the dynamic chains. I get it. But you literally did say that Micah Parsons would be your nightmare pick, or at least the pick you didn't want to see the most. Uh, I want to, this is my thing. This is my biggest question for you, RJ, coming out of this draft. You know, you like to brag about how the Cowboys are America's team. A lot of people like to brag, and I'm not trying to make you specifically answer for this because you're not drafting these players. I understand that. But like, it just, it's weird to me that um, like, that's the, the perception, you know, like of the Cowboys America's team, but like, how do they get away with adding all these players like with off the field issues? And like some of these, you can't even say they're accusations. Like they are in some cases, but like Josh Ball was found guilty of like dating violence. And like, when you read into the specifics of some of these things, like they're really not good. And even just the accusations of others are, are pretty serious here. So uh, I don't love that. I think that's important when trying to build a team, you have these players and I feel like they've, you know, burned the Cowboys in the past in some cases, you know, obviously Greg Hardy, maybe it's an extreme example, but I just, it just rubs me the wrong way. I can't feel good about that. Yeah. I mean, so their first two picks, Micah Parsons, obviously, I think a lot of, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of Eagles fans are Penn state fans. So probably familiar with Micah Parsons and, and um, the character issues at Penn state uh, for what it's worth. James Franklin vouches for him. That goes a long way in my mind. Like that's not just like a random, you know, college football coach, you know, vouching for a player. Um, and, and all of his football character issues seem to be exemplary, but again, like off the field does matter. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, obviously coming out of Kentucky uh, was basically kicked out of LSU. And so you, you wonder like, you know, what you have to do to get kicked out of LSU and really didn't finish at Kentucky. And so um, you wonder about somebody who maybe has a little bit of a, of a high thought around themselves uh, entering America's team, right? Like that's a very volatile combination potentially, but the Cowboys say they looked into it. And before we go further, I do think those are different than, than the Josh ball character concerns. I think that those sure. are very unique um, with regards to Josh ball. But I mean, we were at, at the end of Friday night, kind of wondering, you know, Cowboys fans everywhere. Okay. This is a team that, you know, they've all said the Cowboys brass, we, we want to, you know, commit to a culture change of sorts, et cetera. And then, so for those to be their first two picks, is definitely different now you have the cowboys 
fan take that is, well, this is a change, right? There, there, there's no more right kind of guy. That was Jason Garrett's like hallmark phrase was get the right kind of guys, whatever. Uh, he very, very notably did not like the signing of Greg Hardy and, and had issues with players like that. Um, and obviously the Cowboys have dealt with suspension issues. I believe uh, they now have uh, with their latest corner suspended. Uh, this is their seventh out of the last eight years uh, having a defensive player suspended to start the season. Uh, so it's just kind of the way it, it goes, but uh, so it's definitely interesting. Like it's, it's a fair data point to sort of encircle the Josh ball thing is tough. I mean, there's, there's no, there's, I mean, I don't think anyone's like lining up to defend him uh, certainly, but I mean, in terms of who he is as a football player, sure. He's their developmental tackle. And that's really all you can say about it. Uh, but, but the Cowboys, again, they said in their post-draft press conference that they feel comfortable, et cetera. Uh, he had a comment on uh, the home of the Cowboys one five three the fan when he was first drafted that really did not land well with Cowboys fans uh, in terms of uh, atoning for his, the allegations around him. And so um, it's tough. And so, I mean, we can only wait and see how the Cowboys handle that because that they have, you know, decided to make this part of their lifestyle. Now um, in terms of their defensive infusion, uh, because Josh ball was actually their first offensive player taken. They, they spent their first six players on defense. The first time in franchise history that they did that. I did want to bring something up to you, BLG. Somebody actually, after you and I recorded the SB nation NFL show on Tuesday, uh, reminded us at blocking the voice of an article that Connor Livesy, one of our talented writers, uh, one of our draft analysts, he was on with us all throughout our, our shows over the weekend. Uh, he wrote this on November 18th, 2020. I'm going to slack this to you so you can see it while we're talking. Uh, it is basically saying the Cowboys should consider taking Micah Parsons uh, in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. It, the argument is laid out entirely how if the Cowboys are going to take a linebacker in the top 10, which is not necessarily the best value, this is the one to focus on. And this was before J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan or even Kyle Pitts had declared for the draft. Uh, but I think I think we got as Cowboys fans got so locked in on the two corners that that's how we poo pooed the idea of Micah Parsons. I I really am excited about the the infusion at, at the linebacker position, especially with Jabril Cox. Especially, I I never want to, and I sure you agree. I never want to root for somebody to get cut. But I really thought the Cowboys could have sent a message by moving on from Jalen Smith this offseason that they were not settling anymore. And they have done that, at least in a different way. Um, they're no longer just letting their sunk costs overrule every decision they're making. And that's good to see, which is evidenced by the fact that they didn't pick up Leighton Van Der Esch's fifth year option. I did definitely did like the Jabril Cox pick for you guys. I thought that was a nice pickup on day three. Um, a lot of Eagle Saints wanted him potentially in the third round. On Parsons, it almost like when you were talking about him there, I just kind of drew a parallel to the Dickerson thing for me. Like for Parsons to have to for Parsons to be a good pick for the Cowboys, I feel like he has to be like an elite linebacker. Like he can't right. just be a good linebacker or like a really good linebacker. He has to be like elite level linebacker. And that's kind of what's kind of come up with the Cowboys in the past in terms of positional value and not just in terms of drafting guys, although yes with Zeke but also then eventually having to pay those guys down the road which you know you don't have to necessarily think about right now but it's it's you know when you're talking about long-term roster building it's it's something you're considering so uh one thing I said to you on the SB Nation NFL show today the oddcast uh was that and and something documented here not just you know this isn't just hindsight I said this last week here in the NFC East mixtape that my biggest fear for the Cowboys going into this year's draft was they were going to help fortify the offensive line with an early pick. Maybe it was a Rashawn Slater or if Sewell fell, that would be my worst case scenario because I think if the Cowboys offense, which, you know, looks very good on paper, but if it's, if it's going to be undone somehow, it's, you know, either going to be Dak getting hurt 
or, you know, him not being fully healthy, but that ties into an offensive line protecting him. And I think the Cowboys are kind of overestimating what they have on their offensive line right now. I mean, there's a best case scenario where, you know, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and Leo Collins come back from injury and they're fine. They don't miss any time. And then great. Yeah. Then they, they made the right call, but I think that's risky. And I also just think when you're looking at the historical precedent and you're looking at Tyron Smith, not playing a full season since 2015, well, maybe not the smartest idea to bank on that. And it's not like, they necessarily had to get one in the first round. You know, there, there were other other options before waiting until taking Josh Ball, of all, all right. people, to finally take on the offensive line. So that's where I'm actually kind of – that's why I graded their draft lower. I think they needed to play into their strength and make sure they keep a strength of strength. I think they – it is the classic sin of an NFL team. The Eagles do this too, where you overcorrect. Right. And I think that's what they kind of do with, with all these defensive picks. So I think um... – I would term it a little bit differently. I think they're just more comfortable betting on the status of their offensive linemen. They're all pro pro bowl offensive linemen than they are Jalen Smith and Leighton Vandrish. And I slightly disagree in that Micah Parsons has to be elite to justify the pick in the sense that they got sniped right away. You know, if, if they had taken Micah Parsons over Patrick Sertan or JC Horn, I would agree entirely with you, but because I mean, like, it is very conceivable that he truly, and they're saying that Micah was the highest graded defensive player on their board. I don't think anybody's buying that, but I think that he certainly was at the point that they were first on the clock at 10 overall. And so like, in that sense, like you're just making lemonade out of lemons. Like that's just a draft sometimes like that. It goes that way. Um, And so to maybe add to your point uh, about the offensive line that you're talking only about the tackle situation. Granted, you mentioned Zach Martin, but Connor Williams, Cowboys left guard is in a contract year and really hasn't been all too great since they drafted him in 2018. Uh, They did, you know, draft Tyler Biotish last year with another trade with the Eagles of all teams. And their right guard situation is obviously, you know, stable and Zach Martin, but you never know. And their only like true line of depth at, at guard is Connor McGovern, who they drafted in the third round two years ago, also out of Penn state who really hasn't done anything for them. And so like a year from now, you're talking about, you might not have a left guard and you might also be dealing with these issues at tackles, like who knows, but there there are a lot of question marks, but it kind of goes back to your point about the Eagles. Like you can't fix everything in one fell swoop. And so I think if, if, if they're comfortable having a weakness, it might be this. And I think I would rather be weak there because I do, trust Dak to kind of figure it out. Uh, granted, last year he got hurt, but generally speaking, he has found a way to make it salvageable on offense. But the de- the defense just had such a larger gap to even get to being mediocre that I, I understand their thought process. Yeah, I just think if the Cowboys are going to be like Super Bowl contenders, if they're going to be really good this year, it's going to be because of their offense. I don't think it's because, wow, the defense really improved. Right. Especially like just because of draft picks. Like, I don't, I don't see that as realistic. I think that's not to say they shouldn't have addressed their defense in the draft. They absolutely should have, but I also think they didn't get to offensive line early enough when they reasonably could have while also still trying to work to improve the defense. So you had them graded with what? I gave them an 84, which is, um, has has shined a little bit brighter over the last couple of days, specifically because what they did, they did on the third day. Granted, the Josh Ball pick was you know a difficult one to stomach that day, but the Jabril Cox pick went a long way, especially in that it now gives them a really obvious escape route from Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch. Um, you know, Kelvin Joseph, a lot of people had rated as the third corner in the draft. Granted, that was a day two pick. Um, so I, I think some some things have to happen for for this to really click for them but i think they got legitimate talent some nice depth so i give them they're kind of in a b minus spot for me so 84 is my overall spot 
So that's between our combined score. That's actually lowest in the division. We had the Eagles at 174, which is like a B plus. You average right. it out. That was second highest. Cowboys were last at 161 with a B minus. Because you gave them, you didn't specify. I, I thought I did. I gave them a 77, I believe I mm. said earlier. The Cowboys won the Super Bowl in 1977, by the way. Mm. No big deal. Yeah. Um, Is that the last okay. time? I can't remember. Wow. Anyway. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Eagles uh, had the highest composite score by our grade. The Cowboys had the lowest composite score. So, that leaves the Washington football team uh, and the uh, the New York Giants left. Let's go ahead. Oh, the Eagles, I'm sorry, did not have the highest composite score. The New York Giants had the highest composite score by our grade. So, let's talk about them. Uh, the best team in the NFC East, as far as the draft is concerned, in our minds. Uh, they trade out of 11 because they get sniped by virtue of the Cowboys and the Eagles with Devontae Smith at 10 overall. Uh, Dave Gettleman, for the first time ever, moves back. Uh, this was not a scenario that we anticipated for obvious reasons, and obviously Ed didn't either. Uh, Kadarius Tony, their first-round pick, that specific pick did feel like a, we've got to walk away with the wide receiver, let's just take one type thing. But the trade with Chicago is really the headliner of their overall draft, which is important to say. I think it's funny, like, if you look at the Raiders draft, I think a lot of people, sometimes there's years where, like, there's a player, a team takes in the first round, they're like, well, what the heck is that? It's a reach. But then they get a guy in the second round that's like, well, wait, that guy could have gone in the first. Right. And a lot of people are saying that with the Raiders with uh, JOK and Alex Weather Leatherwood, like, if you just swap those two picks, you'd like them. And that almost kind of applies to me here with Aziz Ojolari right. uh, in the second round. And Because I thought Tony was a reach. I thought that was a totally a sign that, I mean, the Giants panicked to some extent, I feel like, with that, or at least or they, they reached at least, maybe not panic, but they reached with that pick. I mean, Dave Gettleman trades down for the first time ever when Devontae Smith goes off the board, and then they take a wide receiver at 20. Um, now, they, they did get good value, very good value in the trade down with Chicago because obviously the Bears were desperate to get up to get Justin Fields. And as we talked about on the SB Nation NFL show, like, that kind of scares me. I think it's the scariest thing that any other NFC East team did. I mean, obviously, the very scariest thing is the Eagles getting Devontae Smith. But the scariest thing that any Eagles opponent did uh, in the division this year was the Giants getting that 2020 or 2022 first rounder. Because I feel like that gives them an opportunity to pivot away from Daniel Jones, which this is, let's face it, you know, make or break year for Daniel Jones. But it could be a situation where, like, the roster kind of looks good like everything around Daniel Jones is kind of like there's good signs here, but Jones like just isn't it like he's just not the guy. So maybe they take that. They find a way to get Russell Wilson, who we've heard connected to the Giants in the past. So so that's like even be, just going beyond the picks other than I think Ojolari is a really good pick um, for them. It's probably my favorite pick. I, I just I, I look at the possibility of Russell Wilson joining the division here, RJ, and I'm, I'm terrified. So first of all, um, I'm just saying on the subject of scariest things to happen in the division. The last time the Cowboys drafted a linebacker in the first round was the last time that they swept the Eagles. That specific linebacker had an interception during his first game at Philadelphia. Uh, the Cowboys also beat the Eagles in overtime a few weeks later. Um, and the Cowboys won the division. So again, these are all just facts. Uh, but um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I hadn't thought about that, you know, until you brought it up that now New York has two first-round picks next year. Philadelphia already has two and might have a third if the Carson Wentz situation works out for the Colts. Um, and so I don't know if everyone can hear my dog barking in the back, but he is um, he has thoughts on Russell Wilson. And his name is Bears. We've talked about many times. And so the Bears, though, are now like out of the Russell Wilson race, which is why, obviously, now he needs a new home. And we didn't talk about this earlier. We'll talk about it in a second. I, I honestly think any non-Cowboys team, like I think the top three 
Russell Wilson destinations in 2022 are the non-Cowboys teams in the NFC East. Like any of the three teams could make sense for Russell Wilson. Uh, but the Giants now have the capital because they have Chicago's first round pick and it might end up being bad. It might end up being great. And I think the other potentially scariest thing that applies to the Giants and the Eagles specifically uh, with regards to this particular, you know, I guess pick or move that the Giants made is if Justin Fields is awesome. Like if he truly is this elite franchise quarterback and if Jalen Hurts is okay or Daniel Jones is okay, I think it, it softens that blow. But especially if they are bad or if, if they say bad they get worse whatever the fact that and even if Devonte smith is is greater and even if canarius tony is greater whatever i mean like it is going to be viewed as these teams passed on justin fields in the name of doing something else because they were content at the quarterback position for no rhyme or reason yeah and it's interesting too because i think both of those teams were pretty you know like quarterback wasn't even in the cards it wasn't right. like oh i like the majority i mean there were some people i saw who were like oh how could you pass on justin fields but that was like hardly anything close to a majority i don't even know if you could call it a vocal minority it was like very you know a very very few select amount of people and my thing with that is like i just think justin fields is falling for a reason just based on some of the things that i had heard about him prior to the draft and i look at how the bears have invested unwisely in different quarterbacks before and look it's possible they got it right this time i'm not going to say it's not i like justin fields the talent in a vacuum but I also don't know his evaluation fully above the shoulders and that's really important to me especially after going through I just went through with Carson Wentz like that is the honestly RJ that was like one of the biggest reasons why I was so convinced Carson Wentz couldn't come back like I like like this guy everyone's talking about oh we just have to get him fixed well guess what people Carson Wentz didn't want to get fixed at least like on someone else's terms maybe on his own terms but that's it wasn't going to happen on his own terms so if Justin Fields is similar to that then I don't want anything to do with him um even though maybe I'm overthinking it and it's very possible he could succeed for the Bears and everything we're we're definitely going to keep track of that but I'm just saying like it's not this foregone conclusion to me that Justin Fields is going to be awesome in the NFL. I agree with that. I'm just saying like that hypothetical lurks and that's, there's sure. a lot, there's a lot of like lurking things in that sense. And that's the only way this giants trade isn't awesome, right? Because they picked up a lot of draft capital. They still got another wide receiver. I said this, I wrote about this and, and said it in a bunch of different places. And I, I told you, I mean this with full and sincere, you know, just honesty and not in a rude way. It was very obvious when the Cowboys were sitting at 10 that either the Eagles or Giants were going to walk away with Devontae Smith just because they were the two teams behind them. And so in trading with Philly, Dallas not only picked up a future draft or not a future draft pick, it was a draft pick this year, but they ensured that Devontae would go to Philadelphia as opposed to New York. And I think we, we talked about this at blogontheboys.com. Every Cowboys fan would rather he go to the Eagles now versus the Giants now. And I, again, I'm not saying the Eagles aren't going to turn this around quickly or whatever, but as, a, as far as their offensive, you know, casts go right now, New York's is better. I don't know if that's, 100% true because there could have been a team let's say like the Cardinals a 15 who because there was talk that they might have wanted to trade up for a receiver now they ended up taking a linebacker who wants to kill everyone but uh <laughs> which is awesome by the way but uh I don't know it's it's possible another team was trying to, to you know get up there to because the Eagles gave up a like like when you go by the draft pick value chart I believe it was like 170 points the Cowboys pick or sorry no the, like the difference between the uh I forget this. This is this is really bad. I can't do the math on top of my head. But the point is, the, the pick the Eagles gave up to go from where they did from 10. 12 to 10 was like, that's an overpay. And just in a vacuum, like the 84th overall pick, a third round pick. So they paid a steep price. So that could indicate, you know, there were other teams um, who, you know, there was a competitive market to get to the Cowboys pick. And if the Cowboys really didn't want Devontae Smith in the NFCs, they probably 
could have avoided that happening potentially, but uh, it's it's all right. It's going to be a decision they uh, sure. live to regret because Devontae is going to be awesome. Best of both worlds, though, in that he doesn't end up on the Giants. The Cowboys still got their guy, um, and they got a third round pick out of it, who they spent on Chauncey Golston, which again he is definitely going to have like the game winning sack against the Eagles now at some point in the future, just because of that. Um, you know. So grades for the grades Giants. for the Giants. They have my highest grade. And it's really more associated with future cap than anything. And that's because I didn't even consider the potential that it would like, I mean, is this sounds stupid. I realize that this, but like fast forward a year and this is your idea, but Daniel Jones, two first rounders for Russell Wilson. That seems like, I mean, Seattle would have to take that there. It's hard to imagine a better offer than that. Um, so I gave the giants a 95 because I thought they, they, they had the best trade throughout the entire draft, honestly. And they capitalized on Chicago's weakness. It might blow up in their face. They still walked away with great value in the first two rounds. And they now have things in position to figure out if their quarterback is truly the guy. So it's a lot of wins in different ways. I, I was just thinking, like, throw Saquon Barkley in there. Maybe all you need to, to would to give to get Russellson would be Saquon Barkley. Like, I could just see like the Seahawks, like you know, like dumbly valuing him, you know, super highly, right. kind of like uh, David Johnson in the uh, uh, the Andre Hopkins trade. So I don't know, but uh, I definitely think there's some likes to that. Like that's been mentioned in the past. Like I, there's different NFL insiders who have mentioned like Russell Winston wants to play in New York, and you, it's not hard to envision like because Russ has played in the Pacific Northwest. Now he wants to play in a big market, and I, I said like he's he's played for the the Yankees um, like spring training team. Like, he was originally a Texas Ranger, by the way. That's the team that okay. drafted him. So and then yeah. they traded his rights to the Yankees because he wants. But he played to be, for them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be that guy. Like he wants to be you know, Mr. Unlimited. And again, his wife and her line of work, obviously, you know, being near New York City, you know, certainly yep. lends greater to her career and her aspirations than it does to be in Seattle. Uh, I mean, and he like he is totally the dude who would go to Yankees games like all the time. You know what I mean? Like, you, <laughs> yes. like tell and like, oh, tell me he wouldn't be like immediate best friends with Aaron Judge. Like he, he would be doing stuff all over the place, which is terrifying. Although if you're talking about like Russell Wilson next year with the Giants, like we're fast forwarding that long. Like it's not as scary as a thing as I think we're making it out to be, but it's still not cool. And as long as Jason Garrett's there, I mean, you know, we're good. So that's kind of funny. It's not even necessarily about what the Giants did this year, which I think is, is good, is fine, but it's the potential for the future that we're both scared about, which could also, I mean, it's Dave Gettleman. So he could also just like totally screw it up. Like there's, I could see a world where like, oh, we're not going to trade for Russell Wilson. That's just not how we do things with the Giants. Like, okay. Thanks for that arbitrary reasoning. <laughs> so your score, I gave them a 95. I gave them an 83. Um, I was bored down. I, I, I just felt like, like, how could I put them above the Eagles? Cause I think the Eagles, cause if you're, you're talking about just the trade, I mean, the Eagles arguably, you know, I mean, depending how you want to factor the Wentz thing into it, which is kind of separate, but I mean, they made a trade too for a future pick. I just, I don't know. I didn't really love the Giants draft more than the Eagles. So I only have them one point different, but I have the Eagles at 84 and the Giants at uh, 83. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let me ask you this question now. Who wins an NFC East title sooner, the Eagles or the Giants? Um, I think the Giants have the better chance just because of I think the Eagles are on a timeline where they still have a lot of roster holes and they have a lot of work to do. But uh, Okay, so my, think, my, ne- my next question is who's more likely, hypothetically, to get Russell Wilson next year? Because I think Philadelphia's yeah. in the market too, and they've obviously long been connected to Russell Wilson. I mean, the Giants and the Eagles. So, like, how are they the losers here to the Eagles of all teams? Well, the Eagles do have the extra first-round pick. They could have three. So do the Giants know, the, now? No, the Giants wouldn't have three. Well, oh, you're saying but, the third, the potential third, right? right yeah, okay. let's say, let's say the, the, they get the one from the Colts too. So they would have more to offer. They could outbid the Giants is what I'm saying. But that might not matter because Russ has a no-trade clause. And he could say, oh, I don't want to go to the Eagles because okay. I only want to go to the New York Giants. So that's kind of the situation you would have to account for. Interesting. Okay. Well, they did have our highest composite score, uh, 178 for the Giants, 174 for the Eagles, 161 for the Cowboys, the team that just edged Dallas out by one point, the Washington football team, the last team for us to discuss their overall draft class. Always a great thing when you have three seventh rounders, uh, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky, two Kentucky defenders joining the NFC East, by the way, uh, three actually, uh, shout out to Quentin Bohana, uh, Sam Cosme, the tackle out of Texas, Benjamin St. Juiced, uh, corner from Minnesota, Diami Brown, John Bates, uh, had the really the fan that made the ridiculous, you know, pomp and circumstance about the pick. Uh, Derek Forrest, Cameron Cheeseman, the long snacker, uh, long, long snacker, long snapper. What a great uh, pun. Slip. Uh, William Bradley King, Shaka Tony, uh, a lot of people big on Shaka Tony, uh, and Dax Milne from BYU. Um, I'll go first. This is a failure of a draft because they did not walk away with a quarterback. That's, oh, that's how, that's where I stand. And, and I know that's like a huge, like hard take, but th- this, we, we've talked so like, there's so much data that supports that defensive success year over year is the hardest thing to sustain. Right. So you're already like assuming that their defense is going to regress, but beyond that, like it is going to be good or fairly good or really good. However you want to categorize it for the next like handful of years. Now is the time, like now is the window. And sometimes, sometimes you can plan for the window in the NFL. Like it seems like, you know, right now the Jaguars and the jets and then maybe not the Niners, but certainly the Jaguars and jets are planning for their window. And sometimes the window arrives in unexpected fashion. Look at the Cowboys and Dak Prescott as an example. And some teams like the Cowboys botch it. And so Washington had their window. Their window arrived this offseason because of the defensive success that they had because of their great draft last year. And so I don't know how they didn't do anything to, you know, take that into the future. I mean, they, they didn't do anything to accelerate this. They're, they're just treading water here. I, I will all have fun with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll probably beat the Eagles and the Cowboys once each. But still, I mean, like it is not something that is going to, like if you put 
um, I said this, you know, to stats, I think when we were talking, we were recording somewhere else, like, I know you don't like him, but if you put Kirk cousins, ironically on Washington's roster, they're a super bowl contender. Like they don't oh need, my God. but like, they don't no, need, <laughs> they, Okay, my, my point is like, you'd simply need like the 15th to 16th quarterback in the NFL for this team to be true and legit contenders. Sometimes Ryan Fitzpatrick is that, but more often than not, certainly later on in the season, he's not. And so I can't believe that they didn't walk away with a quarterback like that. That is a, a huge miss on, uh, in my view. I definitely agree with what you said about treading water. I was going to say like, they're just spinning their wheels. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the frustrating thing for them. I feel like in the long term, like when are they going to figure it out? Cause if it's not this year, when, like when, cause they're not, cause presumably, you know, they're not going to have a high pick next year. And it's not like they've made a move like the giants and the Eagles now who have these future first round picks in their own division to be equipped to you know make that move because let's say you know the Giants are in a similar situation to where Washington could be this year where like they're going to be too good to not get that top quarterback in the draft next year but at least they have the extra first round pick to do something Washington doesn't unless they're just really going to just mortgage everything after this year which is not impossible but again you might not be able to even doing that you might not be able to outbid everyone so I agree with you on the quarterback point um just looking at so like ignoring that part of it, which you can't, but I'm saying just looking at the, the picks that they did make, I think it was, they were fine. Um, sure. I think Cosme was a really good addition for them because they needed uh, an answer at left tackle and he's extremely athletic. Uh, and then so you have a plug and play guy there. That was kind of my worst fear. Like we talked about last week was that like Christian Darisol falling to them and them just like, you know, having him in there and p- putting him in as your left tackle plug and play. Um, Diami Brown's an interesting one. I feel like people are all over the board on him. I think some people like really love him. Uh, let's say he's like the best deep threat in the nation last year at the same time i've seen people who really also hate him and think he's totally overvalued and there's a lot of issues with drops there i mean why are you drafting a long snapper though or a long snacker as you said like in the sixth round never nevertheless like this is even like one of your final picks in the seventh round this is the sixth round like what are we doing when you're taking a long snapper uh and also why how is cameron cheeseman not on the packers like that's a crime like we need that to happen (laughs) I agree. Um, I forget his name, so apologies, but I saw the Panthers drafted a long snapper, and I'm really not trying to pick on the kid uh, because congratulations, he's in the NFL, but they released like the secret phone call, and he was, ta- <laughs> he, he, was ta- he was talking to Matt Rule, and he was like, I can't wait to help you win, and it was like, okay, like that really is cool, but it's like, you're like, I'm not trying to belittle the position of long snapping, but like, you know, and, and blogging the boys listeners or listen to this like I made a big old stink about the Cowboys releasing LP Lidusair this offseason but the reason for that was that they clearly released him so that he wouldn't surpass Jason Witten in terms of most games ever played by a Cowboy which is like a whole that's that was my true like you know issue with it but anyway um yeah I agree he should totally be on the Packers the Shaka Tony pick uh really surprised that he fell all the way to the seventh round um you know it is what it is but uh, you're right. Like the class is fine, but it, it is highlighted by what it lacks. And I I'm happy about that. And the other thing is like, I mean, okay, you're, you're right. They're going to be in the middle of the pack next year. When it comes to drafting a quarterback, people look at like the successes and they look at the dolphins and they say, that's why you tank, right? Like that, that's why you tank. So you build up all this capital. Like you look at the jets, like, Oh, that's why you tank. And if they had tanked, right. They would have Trevor Lawrence, whatever, blah, blah. This is an example of why you tank because if Washington had not, had the pride to win the division or whatever, they would have had like a, a top 10 pick or somewhere in, in much closer range to be able to jump up and get Justin Fields or whatever the case may be. So like also shout out to the Eagles and Doug Peterson for making yeah. this happen because 
Washington, by just being the least bad in 2020 with a quarterback that's not even on their roster anymore, who's now retired in Alex Smith. I mean, they really, really, really damaged their future. Like it's, it's a, people wanted the Cowboys to tank last year, but at the end of the day, Dak Prescott was going to come back. Like this, this was a team that absolutely had to tank because they have no future plan whatsoever. Yes. Heineke, whatever. I saw all the Hogshaven people going nuts about this. And I did want to bring this up to you, BLG on the show. Uh, shout out to our friends at Hogshaven, SB Nation's home for Washington football team content. They wrote an article yesterday, or not yesterday, Monday for the listener, that was titled, Does Washington Now Have the Most Dangerous Offense in the NFC East? They really wrote this. And it, I mean, fine, fine, you know, writing skills. But like, how, how is this a, a question is my question. I mean, I'm not as down on Washington as you are. I think they, like the, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to have rough games. We all know that. But when he's on, he's freaking on. So, like, they're going to have some games where they're probably going to crash, or not cr- crush, crash is there, uh, not crash, crush people. Um, you know, there's, there's Terry McLaurin. They added um, Curtis Samuel. They're adding Diami Brown, who apparently can get deep. Um, you know, there's, there's pieces here. They fortified the trenches a little bit by adding Cosme. Um I think that article that you're referencing was definitely, I mean, I don't know if that was like fully, maybe it was, and I'm wrong, but it, it seemed like a little bit in jest. Like some of the things in there seemed like a little hyperbolic and like right. a little like, you know, like, like trying to juice themselves up, which is fine. Fans are allowed to do that, especially this time of year. Sure, this, is, sure, sure. this is the time of year to be excited and maybe even irrationally. So, but uh seems like you're taking big offense to it. Cause you just think it's not even a question that the Cowboys are by far in a way ahead of everyone else. I want to put this out there now. Um, who wins more games in 2021, the Washington football team or the Indianapolis Colts with Carson Wentz? Uh, I'm going to say Washington football team. See, I'll take Indy. Okay. I like that. See, like, what's the bet? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll come up with something. But um, so scores for Washington, just to mm-hmm. wrap it up, I gave them an 80. They were my lowest grade because again, they missed like, the, the the teams that had the worst draft and we we, t- we broke this down the explanation nfl show were the teams that collapsed when it came to the quarterback position right um i think carolina you know looks pretty silly like yeah they got jc horn cool but like they passed on just they passed on an answer and washington i and that sounds really weird i respect that chicago said we're desperate we're gonna make a move that is what washington should have done uh because if you go out and you get justin fields or whoever and you have this talented roster who cares if you don't have the 23rd overall pick next year you've won your division you're in the playoffs everything's working out for you so washington really doesn't necessarily even need to trade up if they if let's say they let's change history here rj let's say washington loses in well, I don't want to say week 17 necessarily because that changes the Eagles thing too, but let's just say uh, they don't win the division. And all of a sudden, instead of picking what 20th they were, they're at 12 no, or 11, yeah. sorry, 11 or whatever right. around there. Cause the giants were 11th. They lost. It would have been the giants, you know, at 20 instead. So instead of the giants getting, you know, being able to trade down and picking up this future first round pick, it's Washington potentially just in position there to get Justin Fields for themselves. So I mean, yeah, to your point about, like, it hurts not to tank sometimes, like, potentially in a big way. Now, I feel like... Sorry, sorry, to, like, expand on that, if Doug Peterson plays, like, you love what ifs, I love what ifs, but, like, if Doug Peterson plays his heart out or has the Eagles play their heart out in Week 17, uh, maybe, A, he's still around, B, 
uh, maybe Zach Ertz doesn't hate yeah. the Eagles. Uh, yeah. C, <laughs> but like, no, those things are okay, not so whatever. Anyway, anyway, but go on. But, but C, so the the Giants beat the Cowboys that Sunday earlier that day, which was the was the first of two things they needed for them to win the division. And mm-hmm. so, okay, so say we're still living in that reality, but say the Eagles just play their hearts out, whatever. And, you know, they end up beating Washington. New York is the division champion. Like you said, they get smoked by the Buccaneers in the first round. It's fine. Um, And Washington is sitting at 11th. And the Giants players don't throw the stupidest fit of all time on Twitter that Sunday night. Like, wow, this is so (laughs) lame, blah, blah. But um, Washington drafts Justin Fields. And you're right, New York. and, And so that impacts Chicago. Because, mm-hmm. you know, New York isn't able to trade out and there's no way Washington's trading. And in fact, maybe we take it a step further. Maybe Chicago makes that offer to Dallas at 10 overall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a really interesting what if, like when you ultimately unwrap it. So Doug Peterson kind of caused this. Yeah, it is interesting. to <laughs> So chaos, Doug, uh, if you will. I It's really interesting to think to me about like what Washington has to have something up their sleeve eventually, right? Like they're, I can't just like, they have a plan, right? We can agree on that. Maybe it's not a good one. How can we agree on that? What evidence is there to suggest that? Well, we know, like I'm saying, like we know they know that Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't their long term answer. They they don't think that. Like I'm, we know. I don't even know that that. I think that they don't think that. Like I, I think. Come on. But it's like, a one-year deal. He's old. I, but they might think, like, we'll just keep doing this. Like, we'll just keep mm-hmm. winning with average quarterbacks. Like, the, Ron Rivera was on the 85 Bears. Like, he – and he's grew up the Bears' way. Like, this – Yeah, mean, but they had he was, Cam, he, too. Yeah, he was probably like, this is so weird having this awesome offense. Like, I want to get back to a day and age where, like, my defense carries me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have a lot of defensive talent. But, like, they are just – pissing it away with how they're just going to let everybody age and they're going to get to chase young's extension. I mean, because that's going to be here before we know it and they're not going to have an established quarterback or even a, a promising quarterback to look after. You're ignoring the Snyder factor though. And you know, Snyder has been, you know, aggressive to get quarterbacks. RG three, you look at uh, Dwayne Haskins was like his pick apparently as Jay Gruden once said, he like came off the yacht like to make that pick. Like, you know, so maybe not necessarily going to be the best decision for the Washington football team. But at some point, I mean, he, like, I know, I think Rivera has had more influence there, but I don't think he's shutting out Snyder, like, especially when it comes to the most important position. I think eventually Snyder is going to be like, we need to get this guy. Like he's going to have a guy at some point and that's who they're going to want. I don't think it's just going to be content with cycling through. I think they're going to have to identify someone at some point. And I don't know who that's going to be. I don't know when that's going to be, but I feel like it's coming. I, I guess, I guess what they're thinking is like someone will come along. Kind of like this offseason, um, you know, you could say for the Rams, you know, Stafford was available. Um, Carson Wentz, no one thought he was going to be available, you know, before last season. So I guess they feel like maybe something will come up, but that's not a good strategy. You can't just hope that's going to happen. Like, I, I would not count on that, but I guess that's where they're at. We haven't really mentioned this. We talked about Russell Wilson. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is is out there in the abyss <laughs> that would really suck uh so much just unbelievably but like i also think i don't think anybody wants to go to the washington football team that's the yeah. problem i i mean like and i i mean i i think russell is is an option if if he wanted to but i don't i just i can't imagine picking washington over new york and i don't think mm-hmm. any of those quarterbacks would do that um and I, and that's why like the Ryan Fitzpatrick decision is going to haunt them. I really think that, I mean, he's going to win them a couple of games. They're going to have a nice, you know, a couple of Sundays, some great memes on Twitter and stuff, but they should have, there should have been a, a higher, 
you know, a more concentrated effort at getting somebody in this offseason because they pigeonholed themselves then in the draft and then they still left themselves blank. Like they have nothing to work with. What are they going to do? Like Miami had Tua to turn to, right? Like they're going to turn to Heineke in the season. Really? Like maybe. I mean, that's a horrible plan. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm happy about it, but it's a horrible plan. It is like, it's just, it's, it's, un, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uncomforting, dissettling, un, discomforting. Disconcerting is the word. Disconcerting. It's just like, how do you, cause you, it's just a weird feeling. Cause I just, I'm trying to imagine a Washington fan, like feeling reasonably excited about the season. Like they shouldn't be like, they shouldn't go into the season being like, oh man, this season, like, uh, great like no they should go into the season being like wow we won last year uh we have a quarterback who might be able to help us win now and like like forget ryan fitzpatrick's faults for a second he's a fun player to watch like he is he just is like he's an entertaining player because like the high high it's exciting um so but at the same time you're like well we don't have that long-term answer so when are we going to get it fixed so it's a weird feeling we have to have uh someone from Hogshaven on eventually in the near future i guess to talk about that last question before we get out of here blg um the draft is over. Who's the division favorite in all seriousness? I'm going to say Washington still. I think I've, How dare you? that's been How my dare answer. You? Well, I just think you just the trashed their whole quarterback situation. Oh, long term. Yeah. But I think short term, they have enough here with that defense. And I think the coaching, they have the best combination of coaching and quarterback in the division. And that is accounting for the Cowboys offensive line being uncertain and they didn't do anything to address it. And also not, just assuming that Dak Prescott is going to be a hundred percent the same player he was last year coming off a major injury. Like there's, there's different factors here. I think you're, you're just assuming the Cowboys are going to, going to run through the East and that's just, you know, that's not always how it works. The assumption I'm making is two years ago in 2019, the Cowboys lost an absurd number of one possession games. I think it was seven, I think. Um, and so, that's something that generally we see regression on a lot year to year as well. Right. And, and the Cowboys sure. were like, like that, it, it doesn't necessarily regress like to the opposite extreme, but at least like regresses to the mean. And like, they never even had the opportunity for that to happen last year. Like, I do think that there will be some like normalized stabilization for the Cowboys. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl, but I think they're certainly a favorite to, they, they are the favorite to win the NFC East. I think that Washington's second, I think New York is third. I think Philly is fourth. I also think we've talked so much about like nightmare scenarios. We didn't even mention this, but like if Daniel Jones is good, that would also really suck because then, then the giants could use that capital on other things. And they would have like realized that they have a legitimate franchise quarterback. That would be not cool. Or you could say the same thing for Jalen hurts. Like Jalen hurts is really sure. good. And all of a sudden the Eagles have like two additional first round picks. They don't have to trade for a quarterback. Or yeah yeah so their own yeah and then and then the two additional like i mean it's pretty good pretty good deal to have three first round picks so mm. yeah that's that's those are the big i mean now again i think we both think those things aren't the likelihood that like if we're leaning towards one way or the other we think it's not likely that'll be the case but those i guess when you're looking at x factors those are the two guys right the two biggest x factors in the division daniel jones and jalen hurts that's true okay um any final thoughts these are literally the closing seconds, BLG. So you can say whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind. Devontae Smith owns. Um, the fact that he chose to wear number six makes me fully realize that 
it's not going to work out for him. Oh I, I wish him nothing but personal ha- success. But Hall I of mean. Fame career upcoming with number six. Are you kidding me? That's the number he's dominated with in college. Again, also a bit of a liar. You know, like, oh, I'm all into Philly cheese sticks now when I begged him to talk about that. And he said he had no interest in them whatsoever. So um, please just, keep doubting him. Please. just, no, just, just like, Hey, this is a fact. He lied. I mean, so just he thrives on it. Just know that you were lied to. Um, okay, cool. Uh, the third volume of the NFC East mixtape is officially in the vault. Volume four coming next week. Check out bleedinggreennation.com, bloggingtheboys.com. Subscribe to each podcast feed. Like BLG says, go to the opposite podcast feed. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Be kind in the ratings, but in the reviews, if you want to say something like, that team sucks and your team is better, certainly do that. Uh, we appreciate everybody. BLG, fun as always. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>